The painter, Vincent Van Gogh, only sold one painting during his lifetime, and it was to a close friend. Despite this, he continued to make art and went on to produce close to 1,000 works in the last two years of his life. But since his death, his most expensive painting sold for $82.5 million. Here's a quote from uh, Vincent. He said, if you hear a voice within you say you cannot paint, then by all means paint. And that voice will be silenced. Walt Disney. Disney was fired from the Kansas City Star. He declared bankruptcy and was rejected over 300 times for his concept for Disneyland. Well, <laughs> we know how that ended. The Walt Disney Company is now one of the largest media corporations in the world. <clears throat> Here's a quote from Walt. All our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Emily Dickinson the poet. Fewer than a dozen poems by Dickinson were published during her lifetime. After her death, her sister discovered over 1,800 poems, which helped solidify her as one of the most renowned poets in history. Here's a quote from Emily. Forever is composed of nows. Forever is composed of nows. J.K. Rowling, the novelist. She was rejected from 12 major publishing houses for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. By 2004, though, <laughs> Rowling became the first author to become a billionaire through book writing. Here's a quote from J.K. It is our choices that show what we truly are, far more than our abilities. Sidney Poitier, the actor. Poitier was repeatedly turned down at the American Negro Theater in the 1950s. However, he never quit and went on to become the first African-American actor to win an Oscar for Best Actor. Here's a quote from Sidney. I decided in my life that I would do nothing that did not reflect positively on my father's life. That's deep. Dr. Seuss. Seuss's first manuscript, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, was turned down 27 times. Well, 
Since his death in 1991, over 600 million copies of his books have been sold in 20 different languages. Here's a quote from Dr. Seuss. Today, you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. <laughs> I love that. And Georgia O'Keefe, the painter, she dealt with severe anxiety enough that she was admitted to the hospital. But you know this name. O'Keefe discovered a new sense of inspiration and produced many celebrated works. She is now considered the mother of American modernism. And here's a quote from Georgia. I've been absolutely terrified every moment of my life. And I've never let it keep me from doing a single thing that I wanted to do. All right. Welcome to the Dream Coach. This is Hubert Neal Jr. And today we are talking about fear and failure. These stories uh, that I was reading to you, they come from invaluable.com. Great blog. Creatives who faced and overcame failure. Okay, if you want to look it up, invaluable.com. It's a great blog, and this is the uh, this is the post about creatives who faced and overcame failure. Why do I want to talk about fear? And failure today uh, I think because that's that's on so many people's minds when they think about pursuing anything right but those of us who are artists and those of us who want to become artists um, that's something that I hear all the time so first of all I guess it's important to be honest with yourself and figure out what is your measure of success right i know for me it was interesting reading about you know vincent van gogh van gogh and his story right but i mean <laughs> and i'm sure i'm not the only one here i don't want to just sell one painting during my lifetime and and oh as long as things work out when i'm dead no i want <laughs> i want to know people like my work and appreciate my work while i'm alive right so that may or may not resonate with people, but I thought the story was important because his work eventually resonated. It just happened after his lifetime, right? So what is success to you? Is it making money? Is it being considered great in your field or discipline? Is it being able to... Uh, you know, afford a lifestyle where you can take care of yourself uh, and others? Um, do you care about the accolades? Do you care about being recognized now? Or is it just one of those things where, eh, eventually people will see, you know? Um, Eddie Murphy, we all know him as a comedian and an actor, but he's also an accomplished musician. A lot of people still don't know that. In fact, he said when he died, you know, that's probably when people will realize <laughs> how much music he actually uh, produced, right? 
So fear and failure, why does that distract us? Why does it, why are we caught up in it? Why are we, we so afraid? Um, hmm. It's a little hard for me to understand, right? Because, um, and I think that's probably why I was interested in doing this as a topic um, this week. Because, you know, as I've told you, you know, I knew what I wanted to do since I was nine years old. And it's not that I'm not aware of failure. And it's not like I haven't had fears about things. Um but they just don't they just don't stick like i i'm just not preoccupied i um i'm able to i think the thing with my brain is it's very clear what i can control and what i can't and so for the things that i can't control i just don't worry about them right and uh so i guess for me it's easy <laughs> to just block it out but i recognize um, that it's not easy for, for, for everybody. And so, you know, let's, um, let's address this thing. I remember, uh, when I was, uh, running a gallery in a studio, um, in, in, uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, and, you know, conversation I had with some young artists, and it's a conversation that I've heard, you know, I've had many times and people have, um, brought it up to me, but it's taken on an, extra kind of layer of importance because of the rise of social media. So, um, you know, I was talking to uh, a young artist about, you know, getting their work out there. And one of the things they said was, but, you know, I'm afraid that, well, what if someone steals my work? <laughs> I post it out there and then they take an idea. And um, it was my initial thing was what a what a thing to worry about. It's not something that I ever worried about, right? Um, but this is what I this is what I told them. See, uh, it's actually that's one of the ways in which we try to justify not doing something. It's easier to find a barrier, right, than to actually just go ahead and jump out and do something. So it's like this. Can people steal your idea? Sure. But that's nothing new, especially not in the world of art. Artists borrow, <laughs> steal. They're influ We're influenced by each other all the time. You look at my work, you look at my paintings, you're going to see a little bit of Keith Haring. You'll see Basquiat. You'll see uh, Picasso. You'll see Andy Warhol. Um, is all of that on purpose? Mm, no, some of it just kind of seeps in there. I can tell you that as a kid, as I was studying art, even before I went to art school, I was drawn to Picasso, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Michelangelo, right? Those are my formative years. Um, but I was also influenced by the Simpsons. Okay. Um, and the little animated stuff that used to uh, that that used to come on on Sesame Street, okay, and then you know Looney Tunes and, and stuff like that. All those things were equal, you know. But how did I get my style? In terms of being deliberate as to what it influenced me, my style is 
a combination of graphic design sensibilities and ancient ancient paintings, ancient art from the era of, well, let's put it like this. If you look at ancient Egyptian, ancient Indian, ancient Mayan, ancient Roman, all of those things have in common. Ancient Egyptian is the most is the most um, known, most popular of that style. But those those figures that are depicted in a sideways fashion and they're flat and they're looking to one side or the next, and it's telling a story and you know they're telling a narrative um, in this really interesting way. Um, that's what contributed to the style that I have now, which I call. Uh, figurative minimalism, right? Uh, so that was deliberate. That was like, I was always in, like, how do I marry these things together? And I loved the clean lines, you know, I loved um, of, of graphic design. Like, I just loved, you know, I was always like, if I was Photoshop, how would I paint, right? <laughs> so that's what was deliberate. But all those other things, you know, when some people see my work, they're like, oh, I see a little bit of Keith Haring, or I see some Carol Walker, or I see, and all of these are people that I, I just love their, I love their work. So some of it is subconscious, some of it is subconscious, uh, and some of it is, um, is, is, is deliberate. But there's no artist that's not influenced by someone else. So fast forward. If, uh, if someone steals your idea... Understand that it's no different than maybe somebody stole your idea on it. I don't know. <laughs> in school, you know, maybe maybe you wanted to write a paper on something or do a project or a presentation and someone stole your idea. Okay, fine. But it's one thing for someone to take your idea for a project. It's another thing to have a track record of creating great work great presentations, right? So I wouldn't worry about it, you know? You got one great idea. If you only ever have one great idea in your life, well, then maybe this isn't the career for you, okay? You got to believe in yourself that I had something good here, and there's no reason why I can't do something else that's just as interesting or innovative, right? You got to think about that, okay? Um... And here's the thing. It takes a long time to like really establish your voice, okay? And people that are looking for shortcuts and they just want to steal ideas and they just want to find an easy way, they're not going to last anyway, okay? So develop your style, you know? Um, take chances. Be innovative and put the work out there. If you do that and you do it consistently, it's only a matter of time before people attribute it to you anyway, right? So don't be afraid of posting your stuff on social media, you know, in addition to your website. How are people going to know that you're here if you don't share your work, okay? So the pros and the cons, it's not even a, it's not even a contest, okay? The likelihood of someone stealing your ideas and making a fortune off of your work is, is, is just so small. So just go ahead and, um, and do it and uh, knock it out. Um, so that's a little bit of, of fear. What about, what about failure? Huh. Well, 
I always wanted to get signed to uh, a New York gallery. That was my that was my goal. As soon as I finished uh, finished college, okay. And so when I eventually did move to New York City, um, that was like that was my focus. You know, I um, let me tell you about when I moved to New York. Young. First of all, it makes you tough, all right? I'm already from Chicago, <laughs> so I'm a city guy by nature. So it was only natural that I find my way to New York City, okay? Um, I, I'm just not a nine-to-five person, but I needed to, you know, I needed to work. I needed to pay bills. I needed to pay rent, that kind of thing. So um, I got a job at Starbucks. And um, what was great about Starbucks at that time was you could get um, health care even if you were part-time, okay? Um, you had your coffee, you had snacks. Back then, they didn't have sandwiches and all the wonderful things they have now. But um, I don't know. It was creative enough. You know, I could make lattes. I could make, you know, so it was, it was flexible enough. It was free enough, the type of job that worked for my personality. So I got a job at Starbucks. Um, and, of course... I can't even tell you. I don't even remember what I was making um, back then, but it was a little bit of money. But you could pick up shifts at other, at other, you know, stores. So what I would do, it was a typical day, right? I would wake up at 5 o'clock, <laughs> um, get ready, hop on the train, go into Manhattan, and I'd go to my, my main store, right? And I'd work there from like, you know, 9 a.m. until, I don't know, 1 or 2 or something like that. And then, you know, I'm off. But I picked up shifts at other stores so that I always was working at either the same store or a second store. But basically two shifts every single day, right? Um, Monday through Friday. And, uh, yeah, so whatever little break I had, then I went to the second store. And I probably wouldn't get home until, you know, they close like 9 or 10, depending on the store. I probably wouldn't get home until 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And um, I didn't have a lot of money. So I, um, the dollar menu was like a brand new thing in McDonald's. That's what I ate. <laughs> two, two double cheeseburgers, some fries and a drink came up to $4.36. I still remember that. <laughs> um... And that was my that was my dinner, okay. Um, and I did that Monday through Friday, and then on my weekends, um, sometimes you know you they it would rotate. So sometimes I worked on weekends, sometimes not. But on my two days off, I would on one day I would go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and I would. Um, you know, I would just, that was my way of kind of like recharging and remembering like what I'm trying to do here, okay? And the suggested price for the Met was $20 admission. Well, I couldn't afford doing that every week, but it was suggested, right? So, you know, that was so amazing of that institution. So sometimes I could afford $5, sometimes I could afford $1, but you could give a penny. And you could go in and see this wonderful art. And so I would go and I'd see the Picassos and the Basquiats and all these things and just remember why I'm doing this. And then on my other day off, I would grab my portfolio with copies of my uh, work 
And I would go and knock on gallery doors. And, you know, at this point, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black man. I'm a, I was a young black kid then. I'm already used to racism, so you just, you know, you just, I know nothing but just to persevere and keep trying. So I don't know. I, I just used to get rejected all the time, and I don't know if it was because I was, uh, you know, was I was because I was black? Was it because the work was not good enough? You never know. But I never was preoccupied with that. My thing is just, if somebody gives me a chance, I know that we can make some money together. <laughs> you know? And so, but you also learn how tough you are. Rejection after rejection after rejection. I cannot tell you how many times. It, it actually made up for art school. <laughs> in art school, in high school, and in college, I mean, when I tell you I was spoiled, I mean, I did the work, but I always had good reviews, good critiques, I got awards, I mean, so it was like, come on, of course I'm going to be a success one day, but that's still just school, right, it's not real life, um, but it was all that stuff that, you know, helped give me the the courage and then it was the rejection that made me tough because I was like well I'm gonna have to learn how to eat this <laughs> if I'm gonna survive because if if this stuff makes me give up then I'm not cut out for this business but um yeah I I eventually you know left New York without getting signed to a gallery there in fact the first place to sign me was a gallery in Miami imagine that so you never know how, how the future is going to go. You never know where that first opportunity is going to come from, okay? And now fast forward, I'm represented by two great galleries, one in Chicago and one in, one in Los Angeles, okay? Um, so you'll get there. You'll get there. You just have to keep on. And, of course, I'm giving you examples, you know, from, from my career as a, as a painter, but that's why I started off this um, episode with, you know, what did this writer do? What did this actor do? And what were they going through? Like, we all experience this stuff, okay? Um, yeah. And so you just have to ask yourself, how much do you want it? And if you want it, you'll keep going. And it's not to say that... Um, you're not still going to have fear, you know, you're not going to be scared. But um, at the end of the day, um, only you know how badly you're going to want that success, you know, with, um, with your talent. Okay? So, um, yeah. This is fear and failure. I kind of changed up uh how i started the, the podcast today i'm i'm more comfortable doing them <laughs> but i still don't have a formula or a style yet so um but as an artist you know when i come up with an idea i just try it you know and we'll see we'll see what works and i thank you all for um being uh being here with me as i as i work through this i'm actually gonna <laughs> i just realized i'm gonna go and some of my favorite podcasts, I'm actually going to go and uh, sometime this week, I'm going to go and look at their first podcast. <laughs> like from like the first 
month, first three months, first six months, and see what they were doing and how much they've uh, they've changed. But um, but this is fun, and every week I'm always excited at um, at recording this and uh, you know connecting uh, with you with you good folks. So um, yeah. This is the Dream Coach. Don't forget, we also have sessions. Are you ready? Are you ready to be a writer? Are you ready to be an actor? Are you ready to be whatever it is? $500. We will give you everything except the passion. That's what you bring to the table. Okay? Um, we'll work with you in a session. If you're in the Santa Monica or Los Angeles area, let's do it for free. Otherwise, we've got phone. We've got Zoom. Um. Uh, what is it? Microsoft Teams, Google Meet. We've got so many ways. FaceTime. <laughs> we have so many ways to uh, connect with each other. Or you can just, um, you know, tune in every week uh, for the podcast. Um, you know, and we'll um, we'll have something interesting for you every single week. All right. So uh, this is Hubert Neal Jr. Thank you for spending time with me this week on The Dream Coach, and uh, I'll speak to you next week. Take care.